Hey, it's Pastor Mike. Welcome to the podcast where we spend a little time each week with a guest digging through the content from the previous week. We break it into bite-sized pieces and then push it out thrice weekly. We hope it helps you put God at the center, follow Jesus better, and love one another more practically. We call it ReChurch. It changes everything. Yeah. And foreshadowing chapter 11, talking about, I don't know, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, the sovereignty of God. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah if you put 9, 10, and 11 together, there's a, a, an overarching theme. God is sovereign over what is happening. In particular, Paul is talking about um, the strain on his own spirit regarding what has happened to his Jewish brothers and sisters. Right as some of them haven't followed along with the movement of God in Christ. They're stuck. They're stuck. They, they, they've rejected Christ as the one who was to come. They rejected Christ as Messiah and as Lord. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking for Paul. And yeah. I think it should be heartbreaking for everybody. Mm-hmm. They were, they've been, what's partially, part of what's heartbreaking is they've been anticipating this Messiah for thousands of years. Working so hard to be prepared for the Messiah to come. And he comes. And they don't all recognize it. They don't see it. Yeah. As hard as they're trying to to um, welcome and usher in the Messiah, because they felt like it was within their control to some degree. If they could get their act together to the mm-hmm. right level, that the Messiah would come. He comes and they miss him. They're looking. It's, this is crazy. They're waiting, anticipating, looking, and they miss him. And I think... Okay, before I get to that point, the tie-in to 12 then is the very first word of chapter 12 is therefore. Right. I had a Bible professor say, whenever you see a therefore, you got to figure out what it's there for. Yeah, I think that's fair. What it's there for. So it's coming off of this spectacular view of and high-level view of who God is and who God is, the it you were referring to, who God is, translates then personally, corporately, and then I guess missionally. Yeah, that's a fair way to put is, it. Is what we're saying. So Paul moves from this is who God is, this is what's happened, this is where the Messiah fits in, and it means something to us. Yeah. I mean it means everything to us cuz it means that we become a living sacrifice. It means that we give ourselves to this to this movement to the the will of God to where he's headed. It means everything. What do you think about this um I don't know if it's a metaphor Symbol, symbolic um, words here of, of being a living sacrifice. Yeah. Um, I think it means that it's a very high calling. Um, there's, there's a sense where sacrifice in this context means a giving of everything. You think of animal sacrifice, there's, there is something that's giving its all. And so... As living sacrifice, we give our all, but we do it all the time. Mm. Uh, I, not to dismiss the the incredible sacrifice of maybe even, let's say, the Christian martyrs of the early church, but there's something almost more difficult about yeah. being a living sacrifice yeah. because it's not a moment in time, it's every moment in time. Mm-hmm. So it's a very high calling. Yeah. I think there's something... That's hard to grasp about that phrase, 
be a living sacrifice. We think about the sacrifices of an, the animal sacrifices, which he's shadowing a little bit there. It gives up its life to atone, to stand, in, to be in the gap. And he's saying, you're one of those. Yeah. It's not, um, I don't know, a sacrifice. Like, it's intense. It's a, Yes, that's what I'm looking for. It's intense. To be a sacrifice. Like whenever you think about sacrifices, human sacrifice, that is not a pretty picture. No. It's wrong, in fact. It's, but so here he's saying, look, you're, you are a sacrifice for me, you're laying down your life. He's seen the example of Christ. Yeah, I think he's, he's calling us he's something. seen quite a bit. And intense. actually, for Paul, I think he's quite aware of God's mercy because he's the cause of some of these martyrdoms early in the church. In Imagine that weight. Yeah. The weight of that. It's just a heavy weight. To, to be called to be a living sacrifice, I think, rubs against everything in me. I I want to accomplish things. I want right. to I want to be rewarded for things. I want to I want my life to count in history. Right. You know. Yeah, we're gonna have to be completely transformed to to buy into even just this one verse in in the Christian scriptures. Yeah, we have to be completely transformed. That's why it's so pivotal for us as a church. Um, without it. You can't even move into chapter 13. This is part of what was challenging for Darren. When we asked him to do 13, he gets more specific on what it is you, it might look like to be a living sacrifice. And one of them was to defer to authorities that could be out of alignment with God's will. And he's saying, don't worry, I put this in place. You, you could possibly suffer unjustly and I'll use it. Yeah. God has to be pretty good to be able to use even even injustices or even things that are out of alignment with his heart and bring them into good, as he says he will in chapter 8 of Romans, and use all things for good. Is it just me, or do people in general have a sense that if I do something important, something profound, something meaningful, spiritually or otherwise, but it's done in obscurity, it doesn't count? No, I don't think that's just you. I think that's I think that's everybody. Actually, I talked about this actually in uh, a talk that uh, I gave in the context of Vista just this past spring. I think there's a real tension in human history between the one and the many. Mm -hmm. I want to be a part of something that's bigger than me, right? But I also want me to count. I want my life to count. And so there's this tension. How do I stand out, but also contribute to to the whole? Yeah. And I think only Christianity really handles that well. Um, you kind of see it in chapter 12, actually, where Paul's talking about how we are a body with many members. So we're a people, but he's also talking about how every person counts. If you think about our reaction to God's love, it is not just to throw a blanket statement on all of the people in the world, but we start to think of every person person as immensely valuable. We know we're immensely valuable because look at God's mercy towards us. Mm. So we can actually hold those two things together in Christianity. We are a people of God where every person matters. And not every worldview can handle that. 
Hmm. Some worldviews are saying, you know, put yourself on that pedestal. Go ahead. You get yours. And other worldviews are saying, no, no, no. You should, you know, be subsumed into the many. You could think of that as like the West says, go ahead and put yourself first. Mm -hmm. The individual matters most. And the East says, no, no, no. You matter because you're a part of the village or you're a part of this society. And here Christianity is saying, ah, no, it's both. Yeah. In view of God's mercy, I am a part of the people of God where every person matters. <laughs>